If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. I got home that evening. I had to go to Walmart and I was standing in Walmart, like looking around and thinking, that could be my aunt. That could be my brother. Like this could be my dad next to me in line. I mean, we live in a small area and I travel for work. I go all around the county and I thought I could be working with one of my relatives. Like I could know them. I could have known them for the last 20 years. I, I could have known them for my whole life. And it really hit me. Like, I really want to find out. And it wasn't about my biological father at all, really. And I know most of the time, that's what people are, you know, they really want to find out. I wasn't really too concerned about that. I just wanted to know if I had siblings and my aunts and uncles. Imagine spitting into a tube, sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. In this week's episode, Kara shares a story that has many twists and turns. Specifically, her story includes the surprising fact that both of her parents knew about her NPE status. Thank you, Kara, for sharing your story. My name is Kara. I'm 48. I just turned 48, and I live in central Illinois. Well, I guess I'll start with my family of origin. My mom's family is from Illinois. She was one of five children. She was kind of, I think, always a hot mess. Kind of, she's very narcissistic, like many of the MP moms are. Uh, I think she just sucked the life out of pretty much <laughs> the whole family. She quit school when she was 16. She's a, in extremely intelligent. So she quit school. There's a city that's uh, not too, a small city, not too far from 
where she grew up and she went to live there at 16. She had a best friend. Um, we referred to the best friend as Aunt Janet. So she was kind of always in our life later on, of course. Um, then my mom at some point went to Nashville, moved to Nashville. Well, my dad was born and raised in Tennessee and I, my BCF dad, I'll just call him dad. So at some point he went to visit his brother that was living there and they were in the same apartment complex. So they met. My mom was around 17, 18. My dad about the same age. He, he was just like a little bit younger than her. So they met, they got married. They moved back to Illinois. And I'm going to tell you the story that we always heard as children and growing up. This is how we always heard it. So they, they got married, came back. They were married maybe five years. My sister, I have an older sister. She was getting ready to start kindergarten when they got divorced. So she was just turning five when they got divorced. I was just always told that they couldn't get along. They fought all the time. That's what my, my mother said. She didn't tell us much. So when they got divorced, naturally, it was the 70s, she was awarded custody. Well, my dad wanted us. He knew that she probably couldn't take care of us. I was always told growing up, this is, this is from my dad, from my grandparents, from my aunts and uncles, that my mother just wasn't mother material. She just didn't have it in her. That's how it was explained to me at the time. And, and, and growing up, you know, as I got older, I was very aware of her shortcomings, so to speak. So, but that's how it was explained to us. She just wasn't very motherly. So my dad, knowing this, he talked her into giving him custody. My grandparents, my maternal grandparents knew that if he got us, he would go back to Tennessee with us. So that upset them. And so they talked my mom into giving us to them. So my sister and I were then with raised by uh, my grandparents. We were very much loved, very well taken care of. They always encouraged us to have a relationship with our dad. You know, they never, they loved my dad. They never prohibited that relationship at all. They always encouraged it. My mother lived about 15 miles away. She was pretty close. We saw her on the weekends. She's been married about five times. <laughs> During my childhood, she had pretty much just one husband for a pretty long time. She was always very jealous of my dad. Just stuff like I would, we would spend about six weeks there every summer with my dad. And I can remember her saying, don't talk about your dad in front of your stepdad. It upsets him. Don't say his mm -hmm. name or, you know, stuff like that. And she wanted us to call our stepdad dad, not, not by his you know name. And I wouldn't do that. And I just, at first I thought, well, that's kind of cowardly, you know, why is he being like that? And then, and then I realized like, no, it's probably her. She just, it's probably all her. It probably has nothing to do with him. It's probably just her. She was very controlling, like I said, very narcissistic. Like I said, we were raised by my grandparents. When I got into high school and then my sister graduated high school, I did go and live with her for a couple years. And then I moved down to Tennessee to go to college. So I did get to spend some time with them. And my mother, just like I said, she really can't see the captain of her nose. It's all about her. She's the victim. She did quite a few things during that time, during my high school years. That One thing in particular, at one point I was in high school, she found out that my grandparents actually never had custody of us. And I think everybody was under the impression that they had legal custody. I think what they actually had was like legal, legal guardianship or something to make medical decisions. So she realized that then my, and my, my dad was never made to pay child support. Like my grandpa said, you don't ever have to pay child support. We'll just claim them on our taxes. 
you know, call it even kind of thing. And nobody had a lot of money anyway. And But like I said, we, we didn't want for anything. We were taken care of. But my mother then, when I was in high school, she found out, she found this out and realized that my dad didn't pay child support. So therefore, he owed her back child support, technically. So I overheard her talking to my stepdad, talking about taking him to court for all this back child support. Well, first of all, you didn't raise me. I've only lived with you about a year. And so I, I walked in on them and I said, if you do this, I will never speak to you again. Like, I love my dad so much. Like he, he was the nicest guy. He never really said anything bad about my mom, but he was very sympathetic to us when we would vent about her and her shenanigans. As, as we grew up, he would tell us a little bit more. He wouldn't really want to say anything bad about her. But like I said, he was very sympathetic to us. And when I got into college, um, I think me and my, my mom were fighting for some reason at that time. Oh, I know. Because when I moved to Tennessee to go to college, she told me she would never speak to me again if I was going to move down there, away from her. And granted, I only had lived with her a year or two in high school. But I just thought, how shitty. <laughs> how yeah. Shitty that yeah. And she didn't. She stayed true to her word. She, I think, on my birthday. So she may have called me four times when I lived down there. So during that time, I wasn't obviously getting along with her. And my dad was a lot, he decided to be a lot more forthcoming with some of uh, the stories. And another thing about my dad, too, all the while growing up, he told me my birth story probably a million times. He told me all about his childhood. I knew everything about him and his brothers. And I heard my birth story like hundreds of times. My mother has never once told me about when I was born, about my, her pregnancy, nothing, nothing about that. I just thought that's how she was, and she was a lot closer to my sister. And I just thought it was our person, like me and my sister are completely different. We're extremely different. We, look, we don't look anything alike. So I just assumed that was why. It didn't bother me, really. It was just one of those things. Right. And I never felt like out of place or anything. I didn't really think I looked like one of them over the other, but I had people tell me, oh, you look just like your dad, or you look just like your mom, and then they would tell my sister the same thing, so it's like, you people don't know, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> we didn't resemble anybody stronger than the other, you know, anyway, back to, I had moved to Tennessee to go to college, my mom and I weren't getting along at that point, so my dad was, he decided to tell me a lot more stuff, so he goes on to tell me about why they really broke up, and it was more about my mom was partying. She was going out. She was cheating on him all the time. But my dad is such a gentle, really nice guy. It wasn't like he put his foot down and divorced her. I think she pretty much left him. So that's, you know, basically what he said. And anyway, I got a clearer picture of my mom and dad then. Like, she, she was always going out, always partying, never really was with, at home with us. So that's the story of, like, my childhood that I always got. Fast forward, I'm an adult. I have a son. I'm remarried. My mom and I, pretty much estranged. I, I talk to her like once a year. You know, my sister's closer. She lives closer to her. She, emotionally, she's closer to her. I just, I decided years ago, I don't need that toxicity in my life. You know, especially being a mother. A couple times I really tried to like make a connection with her, but it was always all about her. And even when my son was a baby, it was still always about her. So I, you know, let it go. And I, and I was fine with that. I didn't have any hard feelings about it. It was fine. We've, we've, we were never close, really. So, so fast forward to when I'm 45. My son is 15. I'm married. Um, I work in the school system. It's the very beginning of June. 
and we decided to go down to my dad for the weekend, the start of the summer, before things get going, before my son gets involved and stuff. And I tried to go to my dad's um, a few times a year. And I mean, my dad has been married to my stepmom since I was about three years old. He knew her as a, a young, young guy, even before my mom. So they got married. They've always, you know, they've been married forever. You know, we spent every summer down there. He was one of seven. So I had lots of cousins and aunts and uncles. Most of them are gone now, but you know, we still try to go down there as, as much as we can. And that's really the only grand grandparent my son has. Do you have any siblings on that side? I do. My, my, they had a hard time um, conceiving, but when I was 18 years old, they finally had a child. So I have a brother who's in his late twenties now, but I was 18 when he was born. So I was, I was pretty close to him. My sister wasn't because I lived down in Tennessee for a while. My sister stayed in Illinois. So she, she wasn't as close to him, but yes, he's my half brother or he was my half brother. I was just really tomboy when I was, uh, when I was young. So I just loved going fishing and four wheeling and doing all that stuff. And I was just daddy's little girl and I loved it. And, and he's always very loving towards us. We just had a really good relationship. Now he wasn't being so far away. That's 500 miles. We saw him once a year. He wasn't really, um, enmeshed in my life. You know, he, he knew one of my friends, my, my grandparents, was very frugal. So we didn't get to call them. That was long distance. You know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in the 80s. So it was a long distance phone call. We got about one long distance phone call a month. We wrote him letters all the time and he would send us cards. For a few uh, Christmas vacations, we would go there, but then that got too difficult with the weather and everything. So mostly we just saw him, you know, that one time in the summer. Although I loved him and he was my dad. You know, he wasn't really part of my day-to-day life, unfortunately. But right. so I, we were as close to him as we possibly could be. The same goes for my mother. She was never involved, and she only lived 15 miles away. So back to present day when I'm 45. So this was 2019, June. Me and my son go down there just for a weekend visit, a long weekend. It's um, Thursday morning, and we, we get up. He's making himself some coffee. My son's still sleeping. I go grab some tea. We go out onto the porch. One of my friends is texting me. She's having problems with her brother or something, a big drama. So I'm kind of texting her. My dad sits down on the porch swing. And just all of a sudden, out of the blue, he said, Kara, honey, that's what he always called me. He said, if you had a secret that would really affect somebody's life, would you want them to know? Would you tell them? Right then, my son walks out onto the porch. Stop the conversation. So I'm sitting there, you know, my friend is still texting me and I text her back and I'm like, you know, I'm really sorry. I go, I can't really talk about your brother right now. I think my dad is getting ready to tell me he's got my real dad. So something in you knew. No, no, it was. And I had a friend who said this very same thing. I think it was because that's the worst possible thing I could imagine that he could possibly say to me. Hmm. And of course, she's like, what? <laughs> like, oh, I'll have to talk to you later. So I have to sit there. And, you know, my, my son's out there. And my dad just put the thought in my head. And I'm like, what? So my dad gets up, goes inside. I follow him. It's just me and him again. And I've had a few minutes to think about it. And I said, Dad, I'm like, I, I think the truth is probably the best. Like, no matter what, I think, you know, telling them the truth is the best. I mean, I know he's talking about me. He has to be talking about me. And he said it. He's like, well, he's like, I'm not your real dad. So, of course, I just start bawling. 
I'm like, yeah. are you sure? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty positive. Uh, and the first thing I'm like, well, I want a paternity test. Like, cause I, I don't believe you. You know, I don't believe this. And not that I didn't believe him. I just could not believe this. And, you know, in retrospect, he never, ever treated me different, ever. Never, ever did I feel any different. Why did he believe that? Well, I mean, I'll tell you the reason. And, but then everybody asked me, well, why, why did he, why did he want to tell you at that time? And my dad had been having, he'd been on disability for a long time because of, of his back, but he'd been having some other health problems. And he actually had to, recently had brain surgery. So for like the last nine months to a year, he really was going downhill and he was really worried about himself. And so I think, I know that's why he just, he knew that he would probably be the only person that would ever tell me at that moment. I said, does anybody else know? And he said, yeah, my stepmom knew she has always known. She never wanted me to be told. He told my sister about six months prior because she'd come down for a visit. And again, like I said, he was worried he wasn't going to live. So he wanted somebody to know. Although he swore her to secrecy, <laughs> he still told her. And he's like, I don't know who your real father is. I don't think your mom knows either. Of course, I get real emotional. I, I want to call my husband. And I, he was in Florida at the time visiting his family. So he wasn't even you know with me. So that whole weekend, I had to, because I don't even know if he told my stepmom that he was going to tell me. I don't want to let on to my son that I'm upset or that anything is going on. So I have to keep my composure the rest of the weekend. I mean, I'm sleeping in the same bed as my son. It's a very small house. We have to share a bed without crying my eyes out, you know, every night. That Saturday, I was spending the whole day with my cousins and we were going to the Smoky Mountains and stuff. And I'm incapable of chit-chat at this point because all I can think about is this bomb that just went off in my lap. And that's what I kept saying. I feel like a bomb just went off. But I just got to act normal and be okay. That was like one of the hardest weekends of my life. I don't know um, how you I, did that. <laughs> I was texting a couple friends like, you're not going to ever believe this. So then, okay, that was a Thursday. So then Friday, the, okay, as soon as he tells me that or later on, I'm, you know, on the internet, I'm Googling, where can I get a paternity test? <laughs> so so um, we go, I, I said, well, I found a place for a paternity test. He's like, okay, you know, he had no, like he wanted to go with me, you know. So we went the next day. I had to lie to my son and tell him we were going to get blood work done for my grandpa because, you know, his health issues. So we all went. And my son's in the car, so we can't even talk about it. We go, and here I am in this lab, and I'm texting my friend. Like, um, yeah, the most awkward moment of my life when I'm sitting in a lab with my dad getting a paternity test. <laughs> like, how crazy is this right now? How crazy yeah. is my life? So we get it done and everything. I got through the weekend. I'm driving back home, and it's an eight-hour drive back home. I tell my son, put in your earbuds, turn up your music, full blast. I have to make some phone calls, and it's adult stuff, and, you know. So he does, and I call my sister, and I say, Dad told me. And she's like, what? I told you what? I'm like, well, he's not my real dad. She's like, okay. She's like, well, I have a name for you. So up, up until this point, I'm not even thinking that. You know, I've just been hit with this bomb and I'm not even thinking that far ahead about who is my dad. Like, it doesn't even occur to me. Like, I, I don't even care. Like, I'm just trying to, you know, process what I've just learned. She's like, well, I have a name for you. And I'm like, what? Like, how do you have a name? Like, how do you know? 
She's like, well, so if you remember when my mom was 16 and she had a best friend that we always called Aunt Janet, right? Well, she still lived in the area where we lived. And I, I thought about her all the time. I'm like, I really need to go see her. I would pass by her area a lot for work. And I would tell myself that week after week. And I would never go visit her. Well, about three or five years before this, she passed away. Still, her um, husband was still alive and still lived in the area. I just didn't know him that well. But anyway, she said, well, I went to visit Aunt Janet about 10 years ago. And there was a picture sitting on her table of this man and this girl. And she pointed to it and she said, doesn't that look just like Kara? And my sister, she did that. Her eyes got really big. She probably had that expressive. And she didn't know what to say. She's like, I... She's like, I didn't want to go there. I felt like it was Pandora's box and I didn't want to open it. She's like, I'm, I'm really sorry. She's like, but I just, I didn't want to go there. I'm like, no, it's, you know, it's fine. She's like, but after dad told me this, which was about six months prior, she's like, I called in Janet's husband and she asked him about it. And so he gave her a name. Like I said, I I wasn't even thinking about finding who this person was, finding out anything about him or anything. But now I'm getting told that I might have a sister. There's a girl, there's a little girl in this picture. And apparently they all, they knew about it. And it was, you know, a well-known thing. At least my mom's best friend knew. I said, I don't know how I feel about this. I said, you can text me the name, but don't text the first line. Like, say something on top and put the name way down. And I said, if I feel like it, I'll open it up and look. I said, I don't know right now. So we got off the phone. So for the next six hours or so, I'm driving. You know, I have to think about this. I had decided up to then... Well, if I have a sibling, I, I, you know, kind of like to know maybe, I don't know. My mom's family, they're not close. They've always been back and forth and there's a lot of jealousy and resentment among them. We weren't a close family. I never really had that growing up. So I, I'm kind of like, wow, I, you know, I really want to maybe know them. So I get home and I start Googling. I start getting the app. First thing I do is I call Paul. I call Aunt Janet's husband. And I said, okay, I know. And so he was very forthcoming and he didn't know much, but he said, yeah, we used to work together. He's from, they're from, or he's from Indiana. We, I live really close to Indiana, like five miles. He used to work with me down at this plant and then they got, and then he got laid off. So he decided to go to barber school. Well, my Aunt Janet owned a cosmetology college. So he not only knew Paul from working with them, he started going to barber college with her they got to know him that way. So he became a family friend. So that he gave me his name. His name is David. Gave me the last name. I wrote down the spelling. It wasn't a very popular name. So he told me, he's like, yeah, over the years, I've kind of lost track of him. There was, it sounded like there was a group of friends that kind of stayed in touch, but not too much. He's like, the last I knew, he was living in a cave in Arizona. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so he kind of was like, I don't know what you call it. Maybe he was a little eccentric. I don't know. But he was like living off the grid. So he's living in a cave. And I just took it as a metaphor or something. Well, no. Like he actually. <laughs> a literal cave. So I have this information. I have the name now. Um, I have that he, you know, was from Indiana. Now he lives in Arizona. So I go to town. I am looking up everything. I can't really find him. But I decide, well, maybe... If I look back on Janet's obituary, I can find him there. Nope, didn't see anybody. You know, the people leave messages and stuff. Nope, didn't see it. So I decide that maybe there's a class list when he went to her school. 
nope, can't find that. And then I realized, because I have a professional license, so I'm like, oh, cosmetologists, barbers have to have a professional license. So I go onto the, the website, state website, I find his name. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is him. And I, I think I could even tell, yeah, it gave the address and it was Indiana. Like, oh my gosh, David with a cosmetology license from Indiana. Like, what are the odds? Well, then right beside his name was a woman with his last name too. So I tried looking them up on Facebook. I didn't find found him, but I found her. And she was married to David. So they must have their license. So I'm thinking all these things up in my head. Maybe they met in cosmetology school. I don't know. But guess where they live? They live in Arizona. So it's him. It's checking all the boxes. It took me four days. Like, oh my gosh. This the is internet that. is amazing. Yeah. I know. I, I was so proud of myself. I'm walking around like, look at me. I did it in four days. In retrospect, what I'm about to say, I know I did it all wrong. But I get his phone number and I call him. And I'm, you know, trying to ease into it. But isn't that like the worst possible phone call you can get as a man? (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's got to be the worst possible phone call. Besides, I'm pregnant. It's, hello, I'm your daughter. You know, I'm your 45-year-old daughter. Anyway, so I called him. I'm like, hey, um, I think you may have known my mom. Like, were you ever in this city? Well, yeah, I think I passed through there. And he's, he's acting kind of sketchy. So I'm thinking... He knows what I'm about to say. Like, he's totally guilty. I keep coming with the questions, and I finally say, I think you're my biological father. And he's like, oh, no, that's not possible. No. I'm like, well, are you sure? (laughs) I don't even know if I told him my mom's name. But he was flat out, nope, that's not me. So we get off the phone, and I'm like, what just happened? I'm like, I I think he was just being shady. Like, he totally just didn't want to fess up to it. Like, that's totally him. Like, I I just knew, like, the way he was acting. I hit a roadblock. I don't, and another thing is everybody's like, well, why don't you just ask your mom? Like, no, I'm not asking her. First of all, she's going to lie about it. Every single word is going to be a lie. Or she's going to claim, you know, it wasn't her fault for some reason and all this. And I'm like, no, I'm not going there. I don't want to, I don't want to give her the satisfaction of me having to come and ask her these questions. Like, I, I just don't want to. So I decided to do Ancestry, 23andMe, Jed Match. I do all of those. Meanwhile, my dad, my BCF dad, calls me and is like, did you ever get that paternity test back? And I did. You know, it, it took a few weeks. I'm like, yeah, you were right. It's 99.9% sure you're not my dad. What was it that made him believe that? Was it the timing or just the fact that he knew that your mom had been cheating on him? Like, what made him know this? When he told me... Let's go back down when I'm there in person. I, I'm like, yeah, I was like, what? Why would you say, why would you think that? Well, come to find out, <laughs> there was a big part of the story that they never told us. They left out a big chunk. When my sister was about 18 months old, they lived in that city close by, and all of a sudden my mom wants to get separated. Later on, my dad says, he's like, yeah, I couldn't figure out what was going on. He's like, we weren't fighting or anything. He's like, she just came to me and asked me. So my dad is, is taking my sister and going to leave. And then my grandparents didn't want him going back to Tennessee with my sister. So they wanted him to come up. So he lived with my maternal grandparents (laughs) for, I don't know how long, at least probably six months. And then a few months go by and she all of a sudden comes back. Well, he can tell that she's pregnant and she denies it. She will not fess up to it. 
And then finally she's like, fine, I'll just get an abortion then. Because she wants him to take her back. And he's like, no, you won't do that. I will raise it as my own, but we won't talk about this ever again. Okay. So it was, he completely knew and she yeah. knew too. There was no question. Yeah. And he, um, he's like, I think probably your grandparents knew, but you know, that was the time and they were of the age where you didn't talk about things. You slept everything under the rug. And when my dad told me this, that's one of the things I brought up to my sister. I'm like, have you ever heard this story? She's like, no, we were never told that they actually were separated and that this happened. And so looking back, I think now, you know, this is probably why my, I was probably treated very differently by my mother. She always actually seemed very shameful and guilty, but I thought it was just because she gave us up. And, and I can't even, I don't even know for sure. But like I said, looking back now, I think she did treat us very differently. And this is probably why. Also during this time, um, I'm asking my dad some questions after he told me a little bit later on, because my mom gets she was getting sick. She had to be in the hospital. And I was asking my dad more of how she was when we were little. And I was sick a lot as a baby. And, you know, like I said, my dad really never wanted to say anything bad about my mom. But if we asked the right questions and if he knew it was the right time, he would tell us. So he's like, yeah. And he spouted off two or three instances, like right away. He's like, well, he's like, there was this one time you were so sick in the crib, just crying and crying and crying. And he, he said, you know, we were in bed. I was asleep because he had worked and my mom wouldn't just wouldn't do anything. Wouldn't get up, didn't try to check on us. And that happened like several times. He's like, she would tell me what to do, but she wouldn't do it. He was the one that got up and took take care of us and everything. So I'm sh I know there was trauma from that. And that probably is why, you know, we have the relationship we do now. But anyway, fast forward. So I do the ancestry. I get it back and I have a close match. I have a cousin, Kevin. So I'm like, all right, yay, you know, a first cousin, Matt, that's pretty good. I have about five second cousins and, you know, a whole lot of third cousins. I immediately can see which one, you know, I, I divide them maternal. I get those, you know, just over here and I don't know this Kevin. I don't know any of my second cousins either. So I start looking for him. You know, I've got all the maps. I've got Facebook. I cannot find him anywhere. It is driving me crazy. And I call, I call so many people and everybody was actually really, really nice. You know, I would tell oh, my story. I, I'm like, I know this is random, but I'm just trying to find these people and I just cannot find them. So this is getting about June, July and I have a school job. So I go back to work in August. So all I can think of, I got to get this done. And you know, those um, desk calendars, the really big yeah. white calendars. Okay. My husband had brought home a big tablet. They were bigger than that. There were these white sheets and I had them just spread out all over my living room floor trying to figure this out. You know, I've got notes written all over them. It's like a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> like just all over. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So every day, like, and I'm, I'm not working, it's summertime. So this is, I'm obsessed and I'm sure everybody can relate to that. And I'm still not telling my son. So every day before he gets home, I'm like gathering them all up and stuffing them under my couch. And my husband doesn't understand it. So I'm, and nobody else obviously understands this. And like I said, I hadn't found any, you know, I, I didn't seek out any support groups or anything. So I'm kind of all alone in this, but I am upset and I'm trying to find this Kevin and I just, I can't. And I do get in touch with a couple like third cousins. One doesn't live so far from me and I talk to her on the phone and it just so happens the couple cousins that I get in contact with, they don't know their biological dads either. 
I'm like, oh my gosh, how often does this happen? This is crazy. So they're really no help, but I keep going and going. I finally decide, okay, me, and I don't know how the DA8 angels do this, but I decide, well, maybe if I can connect everybody that's all my matches, if I can figure out how all they're related, maybe I can figure out where I fit in, or maybe I can find that last name. I'm still looking for David, you know, that last name. So that's what I start doing. And, you know, people back then had seven kids. Seems like every... Every family had at least seven to 10 kids. Yes. So it wasn't easy. And, you know, just day after day, night after night. And I think I finally, I finally got to, there was like seven siblings. I finally get to the last one. I'm, you know, going, I'm trying to go down the line. I find an obituary and I finally found his name. I found David's name. Like, oh my gosh, that's it. I see his name. Plus the name I had was spelled wrong. I was given the wrong spelling, so that was another problem. But I'm like, yes, I found him. And um, I also found my cousin Kevin. Like, his name was in there, his last name. I'm like, okay, because he, he was uh, the son of my aunt, so it was a different last name. So I'm like, oh, because, like, none of the names on my matches were the last name that I was given. So that was another problem. But anyway, I find out Kevin's wife's name, I think. Well, on Facebook, they have a joint account. So that's why I can never, I'm like, people, why do you do that? Why are you making it so hard? I I found a phone number for him. They live a couple states away, but I call. I talk to her, his wife, and she couldn't be nicer. She was so nice. So she's like, "Uh, I will relay this information to Kevin. We'll call you back tonight. And I am the most impatient person ever. So it was so hard waiting for those phone calls. So they tell me about David. He is living off the grid. Nobody has seen or heard from him since like 1979. Um, he does have a daughter and they get in touch with her. So she calls me and this is all happening like in one to two days. So she calls me. I am exactly nine months older than her. So she was stunned about that. She was not surprised that she had siblings out there because she had not talked to her senior dad since she was six years old. Okay. So that, that one, of course, was upsetting. But she wasn't surprised. She figured he went on to have another wife, kind of. Her middle name is Kara. Her name was Nicole Kara. Oh, wow. And I mean, I mean, my name isn't that popular, especially for a second, you know, middle name. Like, that's, that's crazy. Her and I talked. We met not too long after that. She brought me flowers. We just had a really good conversation. She gave me, she sent me pictures of her dad. And I, but as soon as I saw them, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my family. This is who I, this is who I look like. This is me. Like my eyebrows, my, my mouth, my teeth, my freckles, my cowlick and my hair. Like I'm looking at my family for my first time. Like I didn't even know that I was missing that all, all of my life. It was, it was the craziest thing. She kind of starts introducing me to the family and their family isn't close either. So she wasn't close to them. Her dad is estranged from the entire family and that's her connection to the family. So, but they're just really not close anyway, but you know, we're all connected on Facebook and I start messaging, you know, all these aunts and uncles on Facebook. So there were seven kids altogether. So he had seven or he had six siblings. There's two sisters and then five um, brothers. I start, you know, sending messages, just introducing myself saying, I have a son, blah, blah, blah. Everybody was very open and nice. I talked to a couple of them on the phone, my two aunts. My one aunt asked me, you know, did, she was actually the only one that asked me. She's like, did you have a good life? And I said, yeah, I did. Was it perfect? You know, no. But yeah, I was taken care of. So everything was going on good. My, 
she had she was talking to my uncle Rick, one of the one of the uncles, and a lot of them lived around here, but he actually lived in Florida, and he was a little bit more inquisitive about things. Like he wanted to know because he had spent some time with David in in the town. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I ran around with them quite a bit. Like, who's her mom and dad? Or, you know, who's her mom? And he wanted to see pictures. And he he was a little bit more interested than any of the others. Like, he wanted specifics. So time goes on. It's probably the end of July at this point. And I go on vacation. This was still pre-COVID, mind you. So Nikki decides to do, to go ahead and do the ancestry DNA test herself, just to make sure. It comes back, and she's not my sister. It actually shows up as my second cousin. So we decided that she was my my cousin, just my first cousin. So we're both like, what? What in the world? And like every everybody knows I'm in the family. Like all the brothers know. Like what's going on? So she goes back. I'm just dumbfounded. Like I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So she goes back and starts talking to the uncles. And one of the uncles says, well, you know that Rick used to live in, used to live there with Dave, right? Like, yeah, he had an apartment. So I'm like, what? So I go to the public library in our county and they have books called the city directory that tells you who lives at what address for every single year, like ever. And I knew where my mom and dad lived. I knew they lived on East Main Street. And guess what? Rick, my uncle Rick, my uncle Rick, he lived right next to uh, my mom and dad at that time. Wow. Yeah. So we, she, she knew, she had a feeling. And then when I started thinking about it, I'm like, well, no wonder he was so inquisitive. You know, he had all these questions about who my mom was. He wanted to see pictures. He just didn't want to fess up yet. Right. And he's so, like, I was there too, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here we, we knew it wasn't Dave. It had to be somebody else. I'm thinking it's Rick, but he's not fessing up. So I think I finally have to ask my mom. Like, I finally have to. So I, I did call her. She was irate that somebody had told me. You know, here she thought it was her best friend who's been dead for five years. She's calling her all kinds of names. And um, I'm like, no, it wasn't her. Obviously, she's dead. So no, it wasn't her. And I'm like, well, was it David? And she's like, no, it was his brother. I'm like, oh, okay. It was the his brother. That's right there. Yeah. yeah. So, so with that and the address confirmation, like I knew it was him. We went, we did kind of like a back and forth. The, the aunt, she, she was very protective of him. She was kind of sticking her nose. She's a more controlling person and she was kind of sticking her nose in there. And, and she just thought I should be okay. Just knowing that that was my family. Like I didn't need to know what, who my dad was. Like I should be fine. I'm like, um, no, yeah, I want to know all the information. <laughs> like, I want to know who it is. Right, right. I mean, I knew it had to be Rick. Like, it absolutely was him. And so I was, it was like the day before I had to go back to work. And like I said, I, I knew I did not want to go back to work with all this on my head. And I, I had to open, because I, I had already messaged him and introduced myself, thinking I was his niece, you know, at one point. So we were already connected through Messenger. And so I I took my son to golf practice and I was sitting there and I opened Messenger getting ready to write him and I noticed that he was writing me. And so I stopped and I waited. And yeah, he sent me this great big long paragraph saying, okay, with all the proof that you have, it's clear that I'm your biological father. And 
And I had said, even before this, like, I don't, I don't care how it happened. Like, I don't need to know any of that. Like, I'm here. Like, it obviously happened. Like, I, I'm not upset. It is what it is. But he went on to tell me <laughs> the whole detailed story of what happened. And he did. He lived in the apartment um, next to my mom and dad. And they actually shared a bathroom. And when my dad would go to work, my mom would unlock the door. Wow. And my mom actually said it was a one-night stand. And I, you know, I didn't give him any information. He just um, volunteered the whole story. He's like, yeah, we saw each other for about six months. Well, a few months anyway. And, um, and then he went off to school. At one point, he did tell me, he's like, well, I thought maybe there was a possibility that she could be pregnant. And he's like, but, you know, he never heard from her. There was probably, you know, there's literally no way that she could ever get a hold of him. When she asked your dad for the separation... Was she wanting to pursue a relationship with him or was it because she knew she was pregnant or why, why did she do that? I, you know, I'm not sure. And then when I, my dad did ask me, you know, at, around this time, did I find out, you know, cause he, he was just interested. And so I told him and he's like, he had no idea about this guy. He knew that there were college kids that lived above them and she would always go up there and hang out, but he had no idea. I'm like, no dad, it was this man that lived right next to you. Like he knew you, like he knew about you because he said, yeah, when your dad would go to work, your mom would unlock the door and there you go. But my dad had no idea. And that's when he told me, he said, cause he didn't see it coming. He said, all of a sudden he's like, we weren't fighting or anything. She just came to me and wanted to separate. So I think the relationship had already started and she just wanted to continue it. That was around like, he said they were separated for about six months. So like in August, he went off to school and off to college and that's when I think she wanted just to go back to my dad. Mm. So that was August of 2019. He lived down in Florida and he had no desire to come back here. You know, he was quite a bit older. He was in a, he's in his seventies. So I, I felt an urgency to meet them and I wanted to meet them. I had, I had met my cousin, one uncle. And so my son and I had plans for spring break of 2020 to go to Florida. Well, you know, things were shutting down. And I'm, and to me, if there's a will, there's a way. Like, you're not going to stop yeah. me from doing anything, especially this. So my son and I went, ended up going, flying into Orlando. And I, at that point, I'm like, you know, we're going to get COVID, right? Like, this is at the beginning. And I'm flying into the epicenter, like Florida of all places, Orlando. Like, we're going to get COVID. We were very careful, though. We, we never, we still haven't got it. But I met him. We met for lunch. It was fine. He doesn't have any other kids. He was only married one other time. So that was kind of like a letdown. I, I was kind of looking forward to siblings. But the sad thing is, is that he's not father material either. Like he's never, you know, been a father. I don't, you know, he doesn't know how to do it. He told me pretty much from the start that um, he was selling his business. He was retiring. He was moving to Central America. He has a girlfriend down there. That was his plan. And I'm, and I, I'm sitting here thinking, but you just found out you have a daughter and a, and a grandson, right. like the, you know, but it, that didn't like really seem to phase him. I mean, we chatted, you know, back and forth and I ended up going on to meet most of the rest of the family. I met him one more time. We went to Florida for vacation, not long after that. And I met him that time. And then maybe six months ago, because of COVID, he couldn't move right away. And then finally, whenever, when he was able, then he moved. It was so bittersweet, and I, and I told him, like, I'm really happy for you, but 
at the same time, like, I know I'll probably never see you again. Like, I, I don't imagine myself flying to Central America, you know, anytime soon. I mean, regardless of COVID. So, like, we, we text back and forth um, probably a couple times a month. But it's, it's just been a very underwhelming experience. I mean, there was, yeah. there was such an urgency and everything and obsession and everything to find these people. And now I have. And it's just kind of like, okay, that's, that's who they are. I actually, today... I kind of decided, you know, regardless of him, I can still have a relationship with the rest of the family. And, you know, they're not a very close-knit family either, but I did just go and have lunch today, in fact, with my Aunt Carol. I found out last night that my biological father got married. <laughs> so, so I have a new stepmom and, a, and a, like, an eight-year-old stepbrother. <laughs> oh, wow. Ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. So we will probably continue to have a relationship through texting and that's, you know, that's probably as far as it goes. You know, the rest of the family, I might see them, you know, once or so a year and, and, you know, that's okay. I wish we could be closer because I do feel like we talked about before, you know, I feel kind of robbed. The family, they actually, they were all like 30 minutes from me. You know, my growing up, my dad lived 500 miles away. My, that whole family, all my cousins, all the ones I, you know, loved, you know, hanging out with and growing up with. They were 500 miles away, and I saw them once a year. I had family 30 minutes from me and tons of cousins my age. And I don't really have that first cousins up here like that, you know, on my maternal side. So it's just kind of hard to accept. I mean, you have to, but you feel, you feel robbed. Right. I mean, do you have any feelings about what it might have been like if he had been the one to raise you? As a dad? You know, seeing him now, like, he's extremely intelligent. I have a lot of respect for him. Like, he loves to travel. There's a lot of things about him that I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm just like you. And I think, like, I'm very stubborn and hard-headed and very strong-willed, and I probably get that from them. And my maternal family, they didn't really know what to do with me, you know, at a young age, because I was so strong-willed and stuff. And so... I think they were kind of clueless because I'm like, where did I get that? And I don't know. That's just a hard one because that's one of those, you know, you'll never know the answer. Like you'll never know. know. The other thing, a lot of people say you felt out of place. I never felt like I was out of place in my family, but I always felt like there was a secret. Like I even remember thinking that just a little bit before I found out, like, like there's something I'm missing, like something that somebody's not telling us. I didn't feel like it was really directed towards me per se, Maybe me and my sister both, but I always felt like there's something they're not telling us, you know, and I, and like I said, my mom and her siblings, there was a lot of animosity there. They didn't always get along. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. And there was just a lot of jealousy and resentment and all that. And it just seemed like, what is going on? Like, what's at the bottom of this? And I don't know if that's what it was, but I mean, I remember thinking this even up until I was 45 and I'm like, I wonder if that's what it was. People knew and they just didn't tell me. I haven't told, I've only told two of my uncles, you know, my sister knows, my two uncles know in my family. I haven't told my other two aunts just because they still don't get along with my mom and I didn't want to be a part of that whole mess. I often wonder, like, did you guys know, like, who knew? Yeah. Have you told your son? Yes. So about a week before I, I got confirmation I decided to tell him because I'm really close with my son and, you know, he's my only child. And so I told him, he's like, whoo, he's like, he's like, I thought like you and 
um, my husband were getting a divorce or something. I'm like, oh, no, no. And then I felt so bad that I, you know, that I made him worry. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, he's like, so what happened? I'm like, well, you know, I think it's Rick, but I don't really know. He's like, what? He's like, why didn't you wait until you knew for sure? I mean, it was like a soap opera. His eyes were so big listening to this story. He's like, what? You still don't know? And the funny thing is, about six months later, I get a phone call about his his dad. Um, he was my first husband. And uh, we found out that my son has a new uncle. His dad has a half-brother that he didn't know about. So within about six months' time, my son got a new grandpa and a new uncle. Wow. So he has two NPEs in his, in his life. And I keep telling him. Now that he's a senior and he has to write all of these scholarship essays, and I'm like, you need to write about this. This doesn't happen every day. Like it's kind of special. And have you talked to David since finding out? <sighs> David is still MIA. They still don't know where he is. Okay. And I've, I've, you know, I searched for him. I mean, I kind of feel like that's up to his, you know, Nikki, my cousin. She has looked for him over the years, um, unsuccessfully, obviously, and then she kind of comes to the conclusion that she probably doesn't want that in her life. And she has a son who's six years old and she just feels like it's probably better off that he's not in their life. Not that he even wants to be found, but I've, I've thought a lot because I almost feel like he had to have known that I existed at some point. Like he was, you know, really good friends with my mom's best friend. And it, it's just weird how that all got twisted around. They knew the brother of the affair of the guy my mom was having an affair with it's It's a small world yes I kind of I don't understand how that happened and I so wish I would have you know gone and talked to Janet before she had passed because I feel like she could have I understand why Paul being a guy he probably was halfway listening to my mom and Janet talking and got it mixed up in his head or whatever so I can understand why that happened but I I would love to talk to David and just be like "Did, did you know about me did you know I was your niece did you know my mom? Did yeah. you, you know, did, did Paul and Janet talk about Kara? And is that why you named your daughter? Like use my name? Like, it's just, is that just a coincidence? I don't know. But how do you feel about the fact that your birth certificate father and your mom have always known and made a decision not to tell you? Oh, I think that's one of those roads that you, I find that I don't even like to go down because, you know, like I said, I, I do feel a little robbed. I've always just adored my dad. And I just, this made me love him even more if that's possible. Cause I'm like, wow, that took quite a guy. You know, I never felt any, he didn't treat me any differently. I would have never guessed that in a million years. I mean, that was the very last thing, the very worst thing that I thought he was going to say. And that's the only reason why it even came into my mind but I had absolutely no idea. And I just think, wow, it, that took, you know, what a, I always, I already thought, I've always thought, you know, what a great guy he is, but that just made me feel like, wow, what a, what an awesome person. You know, I don't think not a lot of, not a lot of guys could do that, but he no. did. And it honestly, and looking back though, there was even times where I wanted to be like, did he forget? Did he forget he wasn't really my dad? Cause like growing up, I remember, like in junior high and I started breaking out, you know, my face and stuff. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. You probably get that from me. I had acne really bad when I was young. And, and so little things like that, that he has said, 
and I, you know, now that come into my mind every once in a while, I'm like, did he forget that I wasn't really his daughter? Like, I mean, it was too good. You know, he acted too well. Like, he, I don't know. It was just, it was very sincere. Yeah. What is your relationship like with him now? It's, it's still the same. It's still really good. I try not to, I mean, one time he asked me some questions and I'm like, you know, dad, I don't want to talk to to you about this if it's upsetting. He's like, oh no. He's like, I'm interested. He's like, I want to know. He's like, he's like, you're just curious. He's like, it's human nature to be curious. He's like, don't feel bad. So I really haven't, not after the first or second time he asked, I never bring it up. And I don't know, like, I only talk to my dad, you know, about once a month or so. And so I don't know. I, I still feel kind of funny bringing it up. Yeah. So I don't really, I don't really go there. And I was thinking, like I said, I just had lunch with my, my paternal aunt today. And I thought maybe I could just tell him that, you know, maybe I could just kind of talk to him about that. And, uh, that would, and I, he wouldn't mind. I know he wouldn't, but I just kind of feel bad. What is your relationship like with your mom right now? We don't have, a, we don't have a relationship. I, this was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. This was it. And and I do the same thing with her, with those memories of her that I do with him. I look back and I think of, like, for instance, that time I told you when, when she actually said that she was going to try to sue him for back child support. And when I think, you know, it was bad enough already because you didn't even raise it. But now you're trying to sue the man for back child support and he's not even my father. Like, like what? <laughs> what kind yeah. of person does that? I mean, just some of the things that she's pulled and tried to pull and the things that she said, it just, like I said, it's really the straw and, and I, yeah. And my, my sister, I don't think she quite understands my feelings about it all, even before this, but with this, in addition to everything else. And I think it's because my mom just treated me a lot different than she treated my sister. And I don't think she realizes that we both don't have the best relate, or she doesn't have the best relationship with her either, but obviously it's a lot closer than I am. And she tends to feel more sorry for her than I do. And I'm like, well, this is kind of the bed that she made for herself. So I'm, I'm kind of done. You seem to be at a pretty good place with everything. Maybe a little disappointed about what's happened with your biological father. What has helped you get to this place? Oh, I'm an avoider. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to just push everything off. Yeah. Besides that, I just, I'm not a worrier at all. I don't dwell on things. Um, not that that's healthy. Not that I'm, not that I'm healthy in any, I mean, you know, I wasn't expecting this. You know, it's not something that I knew. I know some entities know or, um, are adopted, you know, when they're young, like, you know, I was 45 and it just came out of nowhere. And although it, it was very underwhelming, I think, I just know that I'm blessed. I had loving grandparents. I had a father, you know, who loved us very much and it wasn't perfect by any means. So I don't know. I guess I've just come to terms with it. Like, that's just how it is. I can't change it. It is what it is. And I mean, there's, you know, like I said, the only thing that I can do now is try to build a relationship with the family that's close, you know, my new paternal family that I do have. And I, and I kind of need to force myself to do that because I'm really bad about just letting things go and letting time go by and but I've enjoyed meeting the ones I have and it's really hard. And I know everybody knows this, but to make a relationship later in life. And I think after about the first six months, I just realized that you can't, you can't force those and him leaving. I mean, he literally left the country. So right. we're not, you know, we're not going to have, 
a you know a relationship like that. So I've just accepted it. This is this is how it's going to be. And I think too, I realized early on not to take it personally because I see a lot of people you know on the Facebook page especially you know, they can't handle the rejection and how difficult. And my attitude is they don't even know you. Like, don't take it personally because they don't know you. So they're not rejecting you. Um, so that's, that's been one thing that kind of saved me, like going into this, like, I'm not going to be upset about this, whether they like me or not. If they don't even know me. So that's a really healthy perspective. So what advice would you give a parent that might be withholding a DNA surprise from their child. You know, this is one I thought about because of the timing of when I was told. Um, my first husband was an alcoholic. I was very rebellious. I think my dad waited till probably the best time in my life to tell me. Although I wish it would have been earlier because I missed out on that family. And I don't think that's something that they think of. And I, and I would never want to make my dad feel bad about that. Because I don't think they were thinking of that. And that's one thing that really bothers me. Like, you're robbing a kid of a whole other family. But I don't think they think of that. I don't think they can even wrap their heads around that. As far as timing goes, like, with my situation, I feel like it was probably the best time that he could have told me. You know, I was in a good relationship, a good marriage. My son was 15. He was pretty much grown and everything. So there's not an ideal time. But... I almost think when, when you're younger, the younger, the better, unless of course, there's always those special situations of, are they, you know, is that parent, is that side of the family going to be a danger to that kid without those things? As long as those things aren't present, I just think the kid has the right to know that side of the family. Yeah. And I mean, every, every situation is going to be different. I mean, every story that you hear is so completely different, isn't it? There's always some circumstances and what bothers me, too, is, like, what's the problem with having more people that love you? That having all these people that love this child, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong exactly. with that. As long as they're healthy, you know, stable adults and are going to be positive in that child's life, then absolutely that child should know them. So, yes, that bothers me. That bothers me a lot when that doesn't happen. What advice would you give someone who just found out that they're an NPE? Definitely find out all you can find out. I know some people are scared, too. And I don't understand that because, like I said, I was obsessed. Like, I had to know. <laughs> there was no stopping me. Um, but, you know, get a DNA, DNA angel or um, whatever you have to do, reach out. You know, get some people that support you. And this is what bothers me, too. I read this all the time. They find their biological father, but he doesn't want to pursue a relationship. And to me, like, well, he's not the gatekeeper. You have an entire paternal family. He's not the only one. Like, you can have a relationship with your grandparents. You can find your siblings. You can find cousins and aunts. Like, they're all your family. He doesn't get to say so. So I, I always chime in when I see that conversation come up. Like, absolutely not. You don't have to have his permission. He's not the one that just gets to decide. I'm, I'm like a lot of others. I haven't put it out there on Facebook. Not many people know that this happened to me. And it's pretty much out of respect for my dad, my BCF dad, and but I think everybody has a right to tell their story and a right to their truth. You're the victim. You're not the one who created this mess. And you have every right to tell your story and to know your story and to let it all out there if you want to. You know, if that's something that you want to do. And, and there's going to be casualties. There's, there might be a, a new wife that gets hurt. And that's unfortunate. 
and you can try to, you know, sidestep that as much as you can. And, and that just goes to say, you know, what kind of person you are, because I didn't, that was one of the first things I said to the family, like, I don't want to disrupt anybody's life. I'm not here to make a mess of anything. Like, I don't want to hurt anybody, but I just want to know, I just want some answers. Like, and I, and I knew that I was entitled to those. So yeah, I think that's what I would say. Like, it's, it's your story. It's your right to know. That's really great advice. And I love that advice about not letting the father be the gatekeeper if you want to connect with other family members, because that's so true. Thank you, Kara, for sharing your story. Um, a lot of twists and turns. Yes, so many twists and turns. I feel like I even had some shocked moments throughout it. But I really appreciate your perspective and, and appreciate your vulnerability in sharing this story. And I wish you the best of luck on your journey. Well, thank you. It was really nice to meet you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kara, for sharing your story. If you have a DNA surprise that you'd like to share, please email dnasurprises at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Until next time.